Thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. This week is our second week in the book of 2 Corinthians, and Pastor Matt preaches a message on forgiveness. Let's jump in. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians. Turn to 2 Corinthians. The first place that we will read will be 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. But then we'll go back to chapter 2, which is primarily where we will be today, um, there in chapter 2. And just by way of review about a few things, um, one of them is this is the fourth letter. So when we consider 2 Corinthians, it's the second one of what we have. Uh, so the first Corinthians is the second letter that Paul wrote to this church. Uh, and you can kind of tell that by reading it and seeing the dialogue, seeing kind of the back and forth, if you will, uh, of kind of the, the questions and the answers. So we, we get this sense that First Corinthians is the second book. And then after reading uh, kind of between the lines, if you will, in Second Corinthians, there's another letter. There's something else that was written that was like literally a roast letter. Like Paul laid them out, let them have it. And in, in so much that it was a specific issue, many scholars believe that it was a specific issue that he was addressing. Maybe uh, there, there's thought that it was the offering that Paul was collecting that someone stole from that collection and then blamed it on Paul. There's a little bit of that maybe in the exchange that could have happened. Some people think that it was a sexual sin that happened in the church just based on some, some content from 1 Corinthians, right? Knowing that there were some weird, there were some weird things happening. So Either way, when we talk about reconciliation and this topic, this is the fourth and final letter, and Paul is restoring the relationship. He is uh, trying to get this church to the place where they can then go on and, and serve the Lord and be a part of what Paul is doing and constructing for the sake of the gospel. And, and we are here as a New Testament church because of these letters. Because of this work, because of Paul's ministry, we are here. We worshiped the way that we did. We have experienced the Lord today in this context because of Paul's work. So uh, in case you're wondering if what the Lord is speaking to you about, if what the Lord is trying to lead you to reconciliation for, if you're wondering if it's worth it, it's worth it. If you're wondering if the, the, the flip side of that coin is actually worth flipping, if it's actually worth moving on to working through this trouble and working through your trauma, it's worth it. And Paul knew that the lives of the Jewish believers in Jerusalem hung in the balance. But more than that, he knew what hung in the balance was unity. He knew that in a world full of turmoil, in a world full of inequality, look, think about Philemon. Writing it to a slave. Think about the context of what the gospel is doing. The gospel is literally untying. It is systematically walking through every injustice in life and righting the wrongs. Do you see it? So much is at stake for us to live gospel-centered lives. Think about that. It's worth it. Well, we've made a lot of progress. We've done a lot uh, in our time, and it's 2021. No, there's still progress to be made. 
There's still more to be done for the sake of the gospel. There's still more reconciliation that needs to happen. Unity in the church. Racial reconciliation in the church. So many things. Uh, the, the acceptance of sin. Think about that. What we allow in our homes. Why is that? Because you haven't reconciled it with the gospel. There are areas in our lives where we need the word of God and the gospel to permeate, to come through, to cleanse, and to heal. It's an exchange. That's what the word reconciliation means. It's an exchange. But if you're, if you're willing to live with what you've always had and what you've always known and what you've always experienced, then the exchange will never happen. You're going to stay in that same place. Do you, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah? Okay. Okay. All right. Let's move forward. Last week was about facts. Paul said out of the gate, chapter one, look, let me tell you something. Stop calling me out and, and saying to me that I didn't come to you for any other reason other than the fact that this is the way that the cookie has crumbled. This is the way that the situation has played out. I couldn't come to you because the Lord had me in Macedonia. When the time is right, I'll come. I didn't, I didn't not come to you because of this issue. Do you understand? How many of you know that when there are issues and problems in our lives, sometimes we don't reconcile because of what we think the other person is thinking? Our, our minds take over. I may get loud. I don't know. It might happen. Uh, our minds take over, and we literally write the program. We literally write what it is and what's happening, and, and we have written off our spouse before we ever even have a conversation. We're far ahead, aren't we? We got it all figured out. And Paul is saying, you don't have it figured out, Corinth. There was an issue, and I wrote a letter about that. I told you what the issue was. I told you what the problem was, and we're working through that thing. So stop holding that against me and know that I operated in a clean and clear conscience. So the facts are is that the Lord is in control. The Lord is working a plan. He has a purpose do you understand this? The cross says enough. The cross tells us that he has a purpose. The Lord is not going to give his priceless possession, everything that he has, the community of God. Think about that. The Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That is a community. It's a family. The Lord was complete in his family before we ever got here. He didn't need us to complete him. Do you see that? He broke himself up. For our sakes. Do you, you see that? So uh, the Lord is not going to go through that without a purpose, without a reason, without a destination. So there is something to be reconciled. So the facts are is that the Lord is in control. He is working. He is moving. And then we land ourselves here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we see that forgiveness is the topic. We see that forgiveness is the place pushing us towards that reconciliation. And so we're going to talk about forgiveness today as it pertains in our study of reconciliation. Now, one thing, if you're on the program, uh, I put some resources in here that are they're related to the message, but not necessarily scriptures that I'm going to read. How many know that sometimes when you enter into a season, scripture is the best thing to walk you through that season? You know what I mean? Like when you're struggling with forgiveness, if you read scriptures on forgiveness, how many know that that helps? It's like the Lord speaking into you uh, directly. So I put some in here for you just 
Uh, like I said, they're not necessarily ones I'll read today, but in, in the program, in my message notes, notes, are resources for forgiveness in Scripture. So I pasted those in there. Enjoy those. I also put in here a, uh, a list of quotes from one particular book uh, that I hear is really good on forgiveness, and it's by Lisa Turkhurst, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And I put some quotes in here at which I'll read for you right now. But once again, these are supplemental. How many need uh, information on forgiveness? Anybody? How many need help with that? Yes, right here. Here it is. Here's some quotes from her book, and maybe this will uh, begin something in you that will allow you to read this book. But she says this, my ability to heal cannot be conditional on them wanting my forgiveness, but only on my willingness to give it. Oh, that's good. That's real good. You should read this book. Here's another one. It is necessary for you not to let pain rewrite your memories, and it is absolutely necessary not to let pain ruin your future. Some of you, we're, we're going to be speaking to this today. I'm going to literally be preaching to that pain today. I know that preaching on a topic of forgiveness, it's something I've struggled with in, in my past with my family. Like, there's a reason I live in Maryland miles and miles away. Sorry, I love you. God bless you if you're watching. <laughs> there's a reason, shoot. <laughs> I, sometimes I really hate Facebook. <laughs> Here's a third quote. I have held, oh, I love, this could be my favorite. Are you ready? I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands, that I still possess. That's worth the whole message right there. God bless you. Have a great week. You're dismissed. <laughs> so good. Look, that thing you're holding on, that thing I'm going to preach to, you lost it a long time ago because you're still holding on to it. You let go and you put it in the Lord's hands and you'll keep it. Some of you, your marriages are not just on the rocks. Like, you are stranded. You're like, what's that guy? You're Tom Hanks status. You're holding the football. Football. You're holding the volleyball. Wilson! Like, literally, you're waking up every morning going, I can't do this. And everybody knows it. Literally, everybody knows it. You've been trying to work this marriage out on your own, and you're literally just holding the volleyball. Everybody knows you're insane in this relationship. You done lost it a long time ago because you're still trying to do it. And some, some of you young folk, I love you so much, but once you're like maybe six years in, seven, something about that seventh year, anybody know what I'm talking about? Something about that seven year, you're, you're in seven years and it's like a light switch. And then you're all in the dark trying to find the switch to turn the light back on. What happened? You know what I mean? Uh, don't talk to me now. Talk to me in 10 years. Seriously, it's, it is just one of those things. It may work now unhealthily. I know that's probably not a word, but... It, what you have going on, you think it's working, but it won't work when it's put up against what life will throw at you. So just because you're not having the problems that we may talk about today doesn't mean that you're not going to have them. Doesn't mean that you're not on that trajectory or on that path. Unhealthy is unhealthy, right? A McDouble is good until you have that heart attack. And I'm still living in that good stage. You know what I'm saying? A McDouble is good. Until we hit that mat tomorrow, you know what I'm saying? Then I'm going to be like, dang, God, and I got to push away. This Brazilian jiu-jitsu is going to take me away from the McDoubles. I already know it. Man. Oh, I don't know, Kyle. We're going shakes. We're going shakes. We're doing it. It's, it's, it's not unhealthy until it's a problem. That's not true. It's unhealthy. Keep holding on to it. Man, I got to preach. You ready? 
There's one more quote. Staying here, blaming them, and forever defining your life by what they did will only increase the pain. Worse, it will keep projecting out onto others. The more our pain consumes us, the more it will control us. And sadly, it's those who least deserve to be hurt whom our unresolved pain will hurt the most. It's unfortunate. Our children, the collateral damage in our life because we don't know how to adult scripturally. It's not, a, it's not an excuse anymore. Some of y'all are going to hear some truth about forgiveness this morning, and you're going to have to walk out that door and make a change. Because to whom much is given, much is required. You've had cotton balls in your ears for so long because you don't want to deal with it, but you're going to have to deal with it this morning. <laughs> okay, let's get to our text. Oh, we're just getting started. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8. Let's read it together. I'm going forward to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 because what you're going to read with me is what Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, okay? Just trust me on that one. Uh, how many have read this book already? You've kind of dug in a little bit. We've got a few. You should. It's such a good book. It's a quick read. And when you read through the whole thing, you'll get like a real good idea of what we're putting together here. Okay, verse number 8, chapter 7. Listen to what Paul says. For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. He's referring to another letter. Do we see that? I think that's the third one, the scathing letter, not 1 Corinthians. And if I regretted it, since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while, I now rejoice. Not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to what? Repentance. For you, were, for you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. When are we going to realize that the way that the world teaches us to handle these things is not correct? You trust the Lord for salvation, and then you literally don't trust him with any other area of your life. I need him for heaven, but I'm going to act like hell in every other area. How much sense does that make? It leads to death. Do you understand the, the connotation of what's happening? Okay, moving on. Verse 11. Uh, for consider how much diligence this very thing, I love this, this grieving as God wills, don't miss that, has produced in you. <laughs> The trying of your faith worketh patience. This is so good. What a desire to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way, you showed yourself to be pure in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was not because of, of the one who did wrong, the one who did wrong, or because of the one who was wronged, but in order, I highlighted this, but in order that your devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. For this reason, we have been comforted. Oh, this is some good stuff. Paul is saying, the reason I wrote this letter, look at it. It, it led to your grief, but I was concerned with what happened, and, and I was mostly concerned with your repentance. 
I couldn't be more concerned with how offended you would be because I said what needed to be said. I had to be more concerned with the fact that it was what was right and what needed to be said. And then he says, think about it. If you're honest, you'll see that all the things that came from this scathing letter led to you suffering the Lord's way. Led to God's will in your life, which was difficult, which was hard, which was challenging, but it was needed, he said. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about this problem, this thing that happened. Whether it was the thief or a sexual sin, whatever it was, it was pretty bad. And that's what we're going to talk about in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul tells them and leads them to forgiving him, whoever this guy was. But, but I, here's, here's, I want to build this. You ready? We're going to build on this thing. Here's what I want to talk about right here around chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. Here's what I see. I know this is going to lead to forgiveness because I've already read chapter 2 and we're going back there. But before we do, think about what Paul is saying to them. Think about what he is constructing. He says this, forgiveness is a process that requires movement. Verse 8, for even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. Chapter 2, he's going to lead them to forgive this person. But before forgiveness takes place, movement was necessary. I hope to put forgiveness in a picture, a mental picture in your mind this morning that you can, that you can get down with. Like, like summertime, right? When you jump into a little pool or an above-ground pool with the kids, and then you're the biggest one in the pool. That tends to be me from time to time. You start moving on the outside of the edge. And then I start yelling, hey, Broccoli Rob, come get in the pool with me because you'll make this go a lot faster. Come on, let's go. I pick up the biggest guys at the party and we start going in a circle. Do you know what I'm talking about? What's this game called? Whirlpool, whirlpool. And then I'm like, Greg, come on. <laughs> And then when three big dudes get going and we start going and we start moving and we start moving and then the little ones, it's like, ah, <laughs> their little feet, they can't even walk because we got the pool going so fast in that direction. They just can't help but be swept away. It's the best game ever. And then you just like dunk them. <laughs> it's great. Oh my, it's great. Whirlpool. The game is a game of motion. It's a game of movement. And no matter how hard you try, unless you get everybody going in the other direction, it's not going to change. Think about forgiveness in this way. It's a process that requires movement. Forgiveness. Here's an example. Think of someone that is unforgiven. What happened? Someone couldn't go any further with them. Something stopped. Don't let it stop with you. Is there something in your life that you refuse to move on? You got you to broaden your horizon here a little bit and think with me. Is there anything in your life that you refuse to move on? Our inability to offer forgiveness was first an inability to fully trust God in a specific area of our life. I'm going to say that again. You're listening? I like having this. This is fun. Can I hear you? Oh, that's right. We're going to use that in a minute. Oh, yeah. 
I'm going to say it again. Our inability to offer forgiveness was first an inability to fully trust God in a specific area of our lives. Let me explain. Do you think the devil's a dummy? Quite the contrary. He's watching. He's seeking. He knows exactly what area you haven't given to the Lord in your life. And that's where he targets you. Why? Because if he can target that area, he knows you haven't turned that area over to the Lord. And then you will not forgive. And if you will not forgive, the process will not continue. The pool will not move. It is a process. It is movement. And those that don't forgive are standing there holding the potato in hot potato. You lost the game. As soon as you decide that you're not moving in this whirlpool, you lose. As soon as you decide that whatever it is, that causes you pain and suffering that you're going to hold on to and that it's going to stop with you, you will spend your whole life in that, in that exact state. There are so many 12 and 13-year-old kids running around in this world that that's where they are because they've never forgiven. The process stopped when they were 12 and 13. And they're immature, and everybody knows it except them. You play the game of hot potato, and the potato lands in you, and what do you do? You throw it. And then it comes back to you. And what do you do? You throw it. And then it comes back to you. And when the timer, if you're caught with it, you lose. In life, things happen. We're fallen creatures. Sin happens. Relationships split. Bad things take place. Something bad happened in this church. But they held on to it. If we're ever going to reach a path of reconciliation, we must first identify that this is a process. And if we choose to get off the train, we're choosing to remove ourselves from God's will. God doesn't understand my pain. Really? Sure he does. He, he was tempted as we are tempted, tried as we are tried, and understands the very points of our pain. He doesn't, if God knew, if he was just, he wouldn't put me through this. He put himself through it. This idea, why, does bad, why do bad things happen to good people? That should not be a theological question that we could not answer. That's a very elementary theological question. Scripture says that the Lord is sovereign. Scripture says that the Lord took all of the wrath on himself so that when we go through wrath, we end in victory because of what he endured, not because of what we endure. That's a very simple understanding of why bad things happen to good people. And it's in the scripture. So what, what's, what's the point? The point is, is when you choose your pain over Jesus, the process stops. And when you choose to get off the train, you're getting out of God's will. Why is this important? Because there are people that only you will bring to Jesus. There are people that only you will meet, that only you will have the capacity to share God's goodness and God's grace with. And when you choose the path of unforgiveness, you're damning all of them to hell because you don't want to see it God's way. This is a process. I just don't know if I'm ready. It's not about you being ready. It's about the process. Just the fact that you said you in it shows that you're not in the right process. You're not in the right frame of mind. You're not there yet because it's as the Lord wills. It's whatever he wants in a specific situation. 
ah, this is just not popular. I'm just, let's just, we'll pick up next week, okay, shall we? <laughs> okay, where's the one with wine in it? I know there's another one. No, I'm kidding. This is rough. Love you. God bless. <laughs> it requires movement. I'm going to go back to this statement. I think part of this issue, too, we are just really not self-aware. It's a huge issue. You know, the, uh, we'll pick a different illustration. We're just not. Some of you need to stop saying declarative statements and start asking questions. Why is it that I'm the last one to know? Probably because you know everything. When was the last time you asked someone a question? I don't need to ask anyone a question. I'm saying relationally, too. Think about that. This is a really good practice. Like when Sarah and I talk on a marriage level, the only way we get through to certain things of like where things actually are is if you, what? Ask a question. This is what we call a process where there's something asked and then there's a what? An answer and then there's how you receive it. Forgiveness is the same way. It works as a process. Some of y'all are just like, and I get this part because I'm kind of this way. I just want it to be done and over with. You know what I mean? I just want this thing to be done and over with. That's not life either. It's a process. So here's what I'm asking you to do. For those of you that are in your pain and in your hurt right now, we're going to get to you in just a second. Hang tight. For those of you that are not hurt, you're not in pain for the two of you that are here. Because <laughs> that's life, right? Here's what I'm asking you to do. Identify your life. Are there any areas of your life that you haven't given to the Lord? I submit to you that that's where Satan's going. You're going to have trouble and trauma in that area within the next year. It's going to happen. It's going to happen in an area that you have not submitted to the Lord. What, what is an area of your life that you are holding the, key, the cards, you are holding control, and you haven't given to the Lord? I would suggest that you... Trust the Lord with that. Forgiveness is a process that requires movement. Now go to our text, chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and go to verse number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 4. This is so good. So good if you have your Bibles. Listen to this. Now, now this is the same story that he's talking about. Here it is. For I wrote to you with many tears out of an extremely troubled and anguished heart. What's he talking about? The letter. You know what? I'm, you following me? Following with me? I wrote. Uh, I wrote with many tears out of an extremely troubled and anguished heart, not to cause you pain, but that you should know the abundant love. I have for you. If anyone has caused pain, he has caused pain, not so much to me, but to some degree, not to exaggerate, to all of you. This punishment by the majority is sufficient for that person. Now watch this. He said over in chapter 7, Now I rejoice because you were grieved, but because of your grief, it led to repentance. They were grieved by the problem, 
They did something about it, and this guy what? Repented. We know about that, but chapter 2, talking about the forgiveness, he says, as a result, why? Because the majority, uh, the, the majority punished him, and it caused pain. As a result, you should instead forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overwhelmed by excessive grief. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. I wrote for this purpose, to test your character, to see if you are obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I do too. For what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it is for your benefit in the presence of Christ. Why? So that we may not be taken advantage of by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. That's it. That's that's the, the basis of it. Are we not ignorant of his schemes? <laughs> because sometimes I could kind of get a little sense by watching the way we don't forgive or act or operate within this process, it kind of seems like we forget that Satan is working. It kind of seems that at some point we forgot that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. At some point we shifted the blame on someone instead of something Satan, and now we're bickering. Now we're fighting each other. Now we're out of the game. Paul is like, you you disciplined him. The point was repentance, and he obviously what? Repented. He obviously came around. Now it's time to what? Forgive. It's time to love. It's time to affirm. It's time to reconcile. Clearly, some of them were not ready to do so. (laughs) Do you get that sense? This is a huge issue. How many feel like you just need more, you just need more clarity on this thing of the process? Like, how do I act and treat people in that process of forgiveness? Because sometimes it's like you forgive them, but nothing comes of that. Or the same exact what? Same exact situation happens again. How many feel like you just need more clarity on the process so that you can be more effective in your forgiveness? I'm with you, Ms. Sheila. I mean, us three right here. We got it. You ready? (laughs) All right. So depending on where you are in the process will determine what actions to take towards reconciliation. Look, regardless of how you feel about it, this word forgiveness is a part of this idea of reconciliation. It is an intimate fact woven in this text. And Paul is being very clear with these people of how he thinks they should handle it of why he wrote the letter he did. See, some of us are some of us are the first letter or the third letter that Paul wrote. We're good at the scathing letter at ripping people apart and telling them exactly where they went wrong, but we're not good at the reaffirming part and bringing them back into relationship. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's all of it. It's a process. Forgive forgiveness is a what? Oh my goodness. Say it with me. Forgiveness is a process. Live stream heard it. (laughs) Look, I'm just trying to get y'all engaged here. We got 10 minutes left, all right? No, this is the meat of it right here. If we could learn the process a little bit better, just a little bit, I think we'd salvage a relationship. Listen, just in case you were wondering, your marriage is worth it. Just in case you're wondering, your children are worth it. A hundred percent. Just in case you're wondering, our church, this relationship, 
is worth it. We had our business meeting. If you're a member and you got that text, fill out that form. We want to hear from you. If you didn't get the form, see Chelsea. She'll give you a hard copy. But here, here's my thing. Like, 21 people, I think it is, followed the Lord in believers' baptism this year in our church. That's people following the Lord. They're committing their lives to Jesus. Why? Because of the system. Not because of the preaching, not because of the worship, not because of the greeters, not because of the events, but because of what? All of it. Because of all of it. Because of you poor fella back there in the sound booth. <laughs> it's, it's everything. It all works together. So here, here, here's what I'm saying. If we could get better at this process, our society sucks at this. I, that's probably a little crude, sorry. They just do. I mean, we can't even... We can't even let comedians be comedians anymore. I mean, I love comedy. God help, leave comedy alone. Comedy is like preaching. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's, it's like a, sorry, I know it was funny. <laughs> it's like a sacred spot that whatever happens, it may offend you, but you should not mess with it. Like this may offend you, but you, you, you shouldn't. Not a good idea, probably shouldn't mess with that. And, and not on the same level, but a comedian, they're designed to push the boundaries and the margin of what's acceptable so that we can laugh at it. A merry heart, this is scriptural. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, the Bible says. Some of y'all ain't laughed in forever, I can tell. You ain't laughed in a long time. I mean, my house, we laugh all the time. It is a mess. Like, it is a mess. Is it all appropriate? No. <laughs> is it funny? Yes. Absolutely. This thing, I, you know, the, all right, I'm going to say it. But the Chappelle, the, this last Chappelle special, I'm not saying I condone it and don't watch it with your children, please. But, like, people are losing their minds. Why is that? Because we don't know what forgiveness is. That's a manifestation. You're like, that Netflix is a manifestation of forgiveness? Yes. Yeah, in a twisted sort of way. Everybody has to see things exactly the way I see it, or they're harming me. That's an unhealthy process. That's a very unhealthy process. And you know what the problem is? A lot of people act like that in the church. It has to be my way. Well, let's just craft a ministry where only you can work in it. Because <laughs> that's the only way this is going to work. It, we can't laugh at stuff anymore. You know, like a piece of notebook paper. Even that has what? What's, what's on the outside of a piece of notebook paper? There's a line. Huh? There's a margin. There's an area of space that is not designated, and if you put your word, what are the what are kids writing on these days? Is there do kids use notebook paper anymore? I don't know. No, this whole illustration is no good. People don't use paper anymore. I'm just kidding. But the point is, is you have a piece of notebook paper when I when I was going to school, and you would write within a certain boundary, and there were margins around it. It gave you space to create. It gave you space to work. Even a piece of notebook paper's got margins. 
but, but in our personality and in our life, we take it all the way to the edge. There is no forgiveness. There is no margin. You step on my paper and we are done. Where's the area of margin? Where's the area of forgiveness? You're graded in this box. You need more space that you don't judge. Learn a lesson from a piece of notebook paper this morning. Margin. Most of the stuff you're hung up on about forgiving shouldn't have even been a conversation if you got a margin. But see, you don't have any margin. You don't have any margin in your time. You don't have any margin in your relationships. You don't have any margin in your emotions. Therefore, when something happens, when you go outside the lunge, you snap because you don't have any time. You don't have any rest. You don't have an idea that someone else thinks differently than you. No margins. Does that not resonate? Oh, it does. That's the truth. And and if you're going to see this thing of forgiveness from a perspective that will actually come into your life to being able to to, to be worked and a process that can be used, you got to develop some margin. Don't wear your feelings on your shirt sleeve so much. It's going to be all right. Hey, here's here's something. Here's a really good one. You ready? Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, I didn't mean that. Really? No. I did it this morning. (laughs) Someone at the early service. I said something that offended them. I know. Hey, listen, I'm sorry. You know, everything doesn't come out quite the way I mean it. (laughs) It's the truth. Here's my thing. Like, we got some work to do in this area. Can you see it? But this is worth the path. It's worth it. Okay, we're going to wrap this up with, with how do I know if I should continue in a relationship after I have forgiven someone? That's what's happening here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. Do you see it? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 through 11 is Paul is like, it's time to move what? The heck on. Move on. Forgive them, bring them back into the fold, and let's get on with this. We've got stuff to do, places to go, people to see. And Satan is literally getting an advantage because you won't submit to the process. Do you see the process? Okay, how many want to know, when do I continue in a relationship or when do I move on from that relationship? How many want to know? All right, I've got three good things that I see Paul saying. I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list, but I think it will help. Number one, are they repentant? Are they repentant? This fella was clearly what? Repentant. How come we we just love and forgive everybody? Everybody. No, we forgive people who are ready to receive forgiveness. Are they repentant? What does that mean? Are they sad for what they did? Is there grief there? If there is, and it's hot potato, you said what needed to be said, and they were like, oh. Then what happens when they're like, oh, they're throwing the potato what? Back at you. And then you catch the potato and you're like, no, you weren't supposed to do that that quick. I needed more time. I need to be me for a minute. Let me think of every garbage thing I hear on social media. Let me think of every quote that needs to die right now on social media that's completely unscriptural. I'm separating from toxicity. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
I really just busted a joke because I needed a sip of coffee. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Christians, stop being like that. Just stop. No, you're not fooling anybody. What do you, once again, you're going to have a bunch of friends that are just like you, act like you, talk like you, smell like you, which is probably not a good thing. Just getting, oh, stick it out. Look, are they repentant? That's a good sign that you should continue in that relationship. That's a real, but they did it over and over and over again. Oh, yeah, he forgave all my three sins that I committed before I got saved, and I haven't sinned ever again. Ever again, well, Lord, he only had the sins to forgive before I trusted him for salvation, right? No, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful, and he's just to forgive us. Why? Because all the Lord is looking is for some repentance. We would do good to get some repentance in 2021, a little bit of remorse, just a little bit. Do you feel bad at all for what you did? Then show it. That's weakness. No, it's not. It's humanity. Forgive. We have an example of someone that forgives 70 times 7, and that's an illustration to say he's going to keep forgiving you, and he's going to keep forgiving you. And if you come back and screw up again, if you're repentant, he's going to forgive you again. Why? Because he has so much margin. So. Ah. If the oceans were ink and the skies the parchment, could the skull, scroll scroll <laughs> could the scroll contain the whole if it were stretched from sky to sky to what to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. There is no end to the love of God. Mm-mm-mm. A good sign to continue in that relationship. Are they repentant? Here's another one. Here's what I see. The Lord gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. When someone says that they are willing to change, they are humbled. If my people, which are called by my name, will what? Humble and pray and seek my face and turn from their... Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, forgive their sin, and heal their land. The point is, is if they're repentant, Sarkal, If they're repentant, number two, they're probably humble. How do I know if I continue in this thing? I don't know if I got it. Look, if they're humble, you need to continue. You need to keep moving. You need to keep going. You need to forgive. And the third thing, are they repentant? Are they humble? Are they seeking your approval? This fellow was clearly seeking their approval. Look, if you're holding the potato, If you've got off the train, you're out of the whirlpool, and you're holding what they did, and they're seeking your approval, you're the one in the wrong, not them. And and shortly thereafter, you're going to find yourself in need of forgiveness. And if that compounds, that's that's not going to make a good baby, just saying. Probably overstepped with that one. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, now, if you are, those are three things, three areas of how to know if you should continue in a relationship. Watch this. How many of you are seeking forgiveness right now? Don't raise your hand. 
How many of you are seeking forgiveness? How many of you were the one that did what you shouldn't have done? And and, and I did it again, and I I, I thought I was done with that. I thought I had moved on, but I fell. And we all understand that. We're all human. We all get it. We all have sin. We all have even that besetting sin that we run back to. God forbid, and we pray His Holy Spirit's power to move on. But sometimes it doesn't happen. And if you are seeking for forgiveness, this list is for you. Number one, are you repentant? Number two, are you humble? Number three, are you seeking their approval? I don't want their approval. You're the one who screwed up. You need their approval. That humility will produce something in you. It's called the grace of God. We think God's grace and God's mercy are something that happen outside of our fallenness. It's the opposite. When we engage in hard relationship battles, that's when we feel his mercy. That's when we get his grace. That's when we get his wisdom. You all thinking, oh, I just don't get involved. (laughs) I'm just not there. It's just not me. (laughs) Okay, that's a cop out. This is what we do. We hurt people and then we forgive people. And then when we hurt them, we seek forgiveness. This is how it's going to be until the Lord comes back. This is how it is for us. Forgiveness is very important. Look at verse 14 in our text, and I close with this. Look at verse 14. But thanks be to God, right there, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, I love this. But thanks be to God who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For to God, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To some, we are an aroma of death leading to death, but to others, an aroma of life leading to life. Who is adequate for these things? For we do not market the word of God for profit like so many. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ as from God and before God. Our lives should be a sweet fragrance to the world. We should be refreshing. Are you? Are you? That's the one thing about COVID. My dog, poor thing, I sent her off to boot camp. She's in Florida. Huh? It wasn't River. (laughs) I know many of you thought it was River. But it's like my son, we walked downstairs to play Switch yesterday, spent a little time with him, and he was like, what the heck, Dad? I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? I know I ain't had a shower yet, but I don't stink. And he was like, nah, something ain't right. With COVID, I still don't smell anything. Very, very little. And he's like, Dad, it's over there. And I walk over, and sure enough, the dog, before she left, she left one memory of herself behind. And, and Ross was like, Dad, it's here. So we cleaned it up. I didn't know. <laughs> I had no clue. I was like, yeah, okay, that's great. Some of y'all... You don't even realize it. You got off the forgiveness train so long ago, you got poop and garbage all under your seats in your spiritual car. Look, and somebody's got to be real with you this morning and let you know everybody sees it. It's all over your face. It stinks. Nobody likes to get in your car. Nobody likes to get close to you. You ain't wore spiritual deodorant in a long time. You're nasty. <laughs> Listen, hold on. And you only surround yourself with people who had COVID. 
Because they'll get in your car and they don't say nothing about it. Weak people surround themselves with weak people. Paul is saying, I'm after something that's going to take strength. I'm after that church to reconcile. Why? Because we got work to do. We got stuff. Look, you think a lost person's going to get in your nasty car. Oh, my goodness. You think we want to get in there with poop in the back and, and garbage McDoubles under the seats? No. Clean your stuff out so that you and your life is a sweet-smelling savor to those that don't have Jesus. Give them something to look for. Give them something to live to. Oh, my goodness gracious. Why is it important that I forgive? Because people are dying and going to hell. And you're over here holding in your trash, sitting in your smelly basement and nobody knows. Go ahead, try to have somebody over, see what happens. They're not coming back. That's you spiritually sometimes when you forget what it's like to forgive. It's time to clean the closet out. It's time to clean the house out. It's time to clean everything out so that it is, a, let's put a candle on of the Holy Spirit and let's let that fragrance waft over to the coworker and them see the peace and them see the tranquility and them see that nothing sticks to you and someone can offend you and you got a process for that or a program or something that works so that they can see Jesus in you. Thanks for tuning in for this message on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at Bethlehemchurch.cc. And also in every message that we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description. And we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.